You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Paw Vogue with Cuba, America's top dog. I am your host, Bob Shaughnessy, and of course, Cuba is sitting here on my lap. We hope you had a chance to listen to episode five, which was with Pink Punk Puppy Design. Severin was a lot of fun in that show. If you have not had time to see that show yet, find it either on Paw Vogue's website or go to Pet Life Radio's website. And I'd like to thank you all for joining us today. Today's show, we have a very special guest, Bianca Captine the producer and director of Pet Fashion, a TV show on Pet TV in Canada. Having done 277 segments on Pet Fashion, I would certainly say that Bianca would be considered one of the experts in our industry. And she's here today to discuss some interesting and some controversial subjects. Bianca was also involved with Wolfstock, which is North America's largest dog event held annually in Toronto. And we'll be talking about that later on in the show. If you're at a computer, please follow along and go to pawvo.com, episode six, and you can see photos as we discuss later on some of the designers. And we'll be right back with Bianca after these messages. It's time for a walk down Fifth Avenue, of course. We'll be right back after we do a little shopping. Go to PetcoDeals.com and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetcoDeals.com. But, but that's not all. Are you talking to me? Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. The new Dyson Animal Vacs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. Go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. From Paris, New York, and around the globe, get ready for the hip, the trendy, the uber cool where pets rule. Welcome back to Paul Vogue with Cuba America's Top Dog. And joining us from Toronto, Bianca Captain. Welcome, Bianca. It's nice to see you again. And welcome to your dog, Otis, too. Cuba and your human part, Bob, thank you for having me. Oh, we're delighted. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Otis and um, your TV show, Pet Fashion, which is on Pet TV. And since we're not able to view it here in the U.S., if you could just tell us more about it and it airs in Canada. So we don't know that much about it here. 
Well, bred in Brooklyn and raised in farm country. I've been a lifelong animal lover since I was four years old. And as fate would have it, I first found my first dog in a trash can. Would you believe that? My second was cowering in a corner of, in Coney Island. Wow. Uh, fashion and animals really have been a recurring juncture throughout my adult life. I studied photography, printmaking, to fashion merchandising. And having worked in the fashion industry from business to creative to a dog-centric event, which led to my current love of television, pet fashion television. It's produced by Front TV. It's a lifestyle series. Uh, which offers an in-depth look at the evolving world of the companion animal kingdom. From educators to innovators, creating the latest product to visionary designers, shaping the current fashions and, you know, trends. You know, we're the only program that shines a positive light on pet fashion designers. I know, that's very interesting that we don't have anything in the U.S. equivalent, which we'll talk about later, too. You've done 277 segments. I mean, I can't even imagine all those topics. What are some of the most common ones and what are some of the most unusual ones that you've had? All right. My most unusual, we did a, a couple of seasons ago. We did one, uh, it was a recurring segment called Primp My Pet. And, and what that was, it was a, a segment devoted to different groomers, different styles, like how to primp your dog, basically from grooming to styling and the best dressed dog. So that was one of my favorites, but the biggest, the one that I'm really proud of that no one has done on the planet was called Primp My Pachyderm. If you can only imagine, we're the only production company to have captured an elephant getting a mani and petty. <laughs> okay, no one, no one on the planet has done. So we've had, uh, it was an extraordinary experience to see a elephant get hosed down, get scrubbed, and then have its nails done. It was extraordinary. So that was fun to have an actual segment called Print My Pachyderm. That was one of my favorite. Also, too, is that I really, really liked with our show, Pet Fashion, we're a licensed television show. So that means our, our mandate, we have to always, always promote fashion designers or, or, or fashion or pet apparel designers. So that was really, really one of my favorite things to do is also to find designers because Really, I mean, there are so many, and then, you know, they're, they're hard to find, or they're shy. They don't want to be, you know, a lot of them are very, very shy. Yes, I have found that out as well. But I have yeah. to ask you, where did you film the elephants? The elephant this getting his... Was, okay, the print my pachyderm, um, I was very, very fortunate because it's a long process. What I had to do is that I had to write to the board of directors at the Toronto Zoo. Oh, okay. And then I had to give them an outline exactly what we wanted. What you know, we had to keep it within the integrity of the zoo, and you know, and we had to present it that way. But in my mind, it's print my pachyderm. <laughs> so uh, you know, it was an extraordinary opportunity. Go uh, behind excellent. the scenes and watch and film on camera of how they actually train an elephant, how they uh, teach an elephant to to lift up their leg. Right, and they put it on a bar because there's certain things you have. Safety is paramount. And also, too, when they bathe or hose down enough, an elephant really doesn't lie down very long, right? They just don't. Mm. So you have to be very, very careful, right? It's like a whale. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that was interesting. You know, I, you and I have talked other times about this, but I'm sure the listeners would like to know is why does your show not air in the U.S. and why is it not available on the web? Okay, well, our show is on the Pet Network, which airs in Canada. It's the only channel in the world dedicated with 100% of its programming devoted to the companion animal world, whether it's 
original family programming, documentaries, reality, and lifestyle. That's Pet Fashion's home. To receive it, you have to be a subscriber to the channel. But that said, as for the web, uh, the great news is that the Pet Network is in the process of getting much of its original content online as possible. And Pet Fashion is definitely one of the properties they will be looking at. Oh, great. And as I mentioned before, the Pet Network is currently available in Canada only. There, there have been some explorations, I gather, in the U.S. market, and they're very interested in finding ways to make original content like Pet Fashion available to viewers in the U.S. and other markets, you know? Right. Maybe I'm just going to have to go to NBC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you would have many viewers, I'm sure. I um, believe I would. I, you I know, think so, for sure, yes. But you got to remember, too, Cuba and Bob, that pet fashion, you have to have more. It's not a standalone show, right? Pet fashion itself, like, we do have our designers, but we have to have a different type of content. Right, yes. I was involved in a show last year, so I understand. Right, Um, right. No, you are very knowledgeable in so many aspects of pet fashion, but the first topic we'd like to discuss really is explaining to us the types of fashion. What couture, couture, ready-to-wear, because it's so misunderstood by so many people, including myself. I thought I knew it until you and I started uh, doing a little research, and now I'm confused. Well, okay, I'm going to take this position. I said, if you're going to classify yourself as a designer in the luxury market, the onus is on you to ensure that the garments are of the highest end of the range to be considered designer goods in the fashion industry. That's the human side. So ditto for pet apparel. They, too, should apply the same standards. You know, however, in the real world, true designers sell for thousands of dollars. With respect, there's only a few tiny handful of uh, pet apparel designers who have that kind of cachet or have that kind of rock star status. That's the reality, you know. And then with that said, what does couture mean? It means to measure with extreme attention to detail. Ready to wear, what does that mean? It means clothes that are across between couture and mass, goods made in small quantities to ensure exclusivity. Mass market, what does that mean? It means producing apparel with cheaper fabrics and simple production techniques, as well as to take what take trends and convert that into mass appeal. So, so does it so, matter if you are um, if it's handmade or if it's done at a factory? Well, I, here, I think this is something that maybe a lot of designers might want to chew on and consider this because it is an unregulated industry and a lot of the things that you take from the human narrative and you put it into a, a pet apparel designer, you can change that. Maybe we need to have our own terminology because we really don't. You know, we do mirror what's happening in the human world to the pet world. So one thing, some years back, I heard a term called demi-couture, and it was applied to pet apparel designers. And the person who, it was Alexa Koch, an accessory designer, who used it. Personally, I thought, oh, my God, that is perfect. That's apropos definition for a pet apparel designer. Because, A, there's a lot of designers that do single items for clients. There's attention to detail. But, you know, a lot of couture designers in the real world, in the human world, they don't like other pet designers being called it. You know, it ruffles their feathers, so to speak. So, to me, I love the word demi-couture. I would love to hear that more so. You know, especially for people who are in the luxury market, I think it's a perfect, it's an ideal word to use. So would that be someone, like a number of our designers on Povo, we have some that do strictly couture by the, you order something that is made for your dog, but others, they make it handmade, but it's pre-sized. Okay, pre-sized meaning they're using already an original pattern. Right. 
Well, now the thing is, if you're looking at customers, so that means they're physically, if you're going to say couture, if, you, if you're going to use those, that means that the person who's designing has to physically measure the dog, right? That's how you have right. to consider that. Mm-hmm. You cannot, you just, if someone sends you via email or on the phone, oh, this is the size or that person is doing, then you really cannot classify that as couture because it, it really, it's it maybe demi-couture. You know what I mean? You really can't right. say, well, this is all couture because it's not, right? It really isn't. You know, as oh. much as we'd like to believe it is, it, it is not. I think that when you measure, you have to physically be there. But that's unrealistic because, you know, you have a designer that's maybe based in Texas, right? And you're dealing with someone who's based in New York, right? It's just not going to happen. But if you... So... The uh, very first time that the first outfit that Rebecca BC made, which we're now going to go to the website and listeners, you can actually see some of the ones we're going to be speaking about. But what Rebecca did, I gave her the measurements because she's in Wisconsin. She made a... It's like a sample, I guess. I don't know. What do you call that? Yeah, it's a sample. Yeah, a sample. And she mailed it to me. I then took it to a um, tailor in New York to have it fitted for Cuba and sent it back to her. So basically, uh, so you had someone do the sizing. Right. Okay, so the size. Now, with Rebecca, okay, with respect to her, because um, she's one of my favorite, she also has a design background. She has a human, you know, so I mean, if right. anyone's going to walk the talk, she's the lady because she understands yeah. it. It was interesting because the garments, the initial, I can't remember the word she used, the um, the sample she sent me, it was so close to being an exact fit, and it was so well made. So she used a replica. I don't know. I'm not sure what the word, yeah. Yeah. People thought that it was already a finished product. And I said, no, this is just um, the rough draft. But it was anyway, it was very interesting. So let's go to the website. And we have some designers here. Rebecca's one of them. And would you like to tell us about these designers? I think the first one is Manfred of Sweden. Manfred of Sweden, if you're going to like label them, they're luxury. They're luxury apparel designers. Now, they also do the leathers that they use are of the highest standard. In a couple of the photos, you see the first one, that's vintage. That is something they do also take one-of-a-kind fabrics, and they'll make their the designs. The second one is the leather. They also do handbags, right? So, I mean, this is a successful company that does both. It also has the handbags and it has the pet apparel, right? Right. So, you have to have, you know, I mean, they have a business plan <laughs> and they're also very, very successful at what they do, especially in the luxury market. And a lot of their goods are sold in LA. Chang Couture, I mean, when you look at her designs, these two are great examples for attention to detail. Also, another one is also who's very good at attention to detail is Jennifer Bosuto from Hot Puppy. Now, she also is also, she comes from the human world as a designer. So instead of going vertically, she's horizontal now. And with her, and what's very, very important for her too, is that the, the fabrics that she uses, she uses high-end fabrics, she mainly uses silk. And if she's designing for... I guess Yorkies or Chihuahuas. What are, I guess what are they? Three to six pounds. Yeah, Yorkies about that. Right. So with them, they're also they're very very mindful of the weight of a garment. Right. Right. I think that's very very key about them is that they utilize their knowledge from the human industry and transferring it to the pet apparel business. Right. Actually, no, Rebecca just did a, a gown for a Yorkie and she redid the whole thing because she thought it was too heavy for the Yorkie. 
That's smart thinking because right. they understand, right? I think that's really, really important. That This is why they're ahead of the pack, so to speak, because they understand. They understand the structure of a dog. They understand the anatomy of a dog. They understand, like, how much weight can a dog carry and how safely right. is a garment, right? This is something that they consider. And I think that's really, really important in the industry. Okay, before we go on any further, we need to take yes. a commercial break. And um, we'll be back in a few minutes. It's time for a walk down Fifth Avenue, of course. We'll be right back after we do a little shopping. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. This year, Americans are expected to spend a jaw-dropping $36 billion on their pets. From lighted leashes to high-end spa products, the discriminating pet owner can find just about anything to pamper his or her pet. Hi, this is Michelle Fern. Join me every week for Best Bets for Pets, where we'll talk about the latest pet products and talk to the companies that make them. Best bets for pets. Every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. From Paris, New York, and around the globe, get ready for the hip, the trendy, the uber cool where pets rule. Okay, welcome back to Porvo with Cuba America's Top Dog. And with us is Bianca Capdine, And we are still discussing types of fashion. Bianca, you want to continue on with oh, Beast yes. and Babies? Okay, so Beast and Babies, that's Christine May. She's a Canadian gal whose designs are very stylish and functional, and the uh, her apparel is designed for dogs with uh, bigger chests, say French Bulldogs and Pugs. Now, she, I would consider that ready-to-wear because she makes more than just one piece. She makes, they're limited, so they're exclusive, they're limited. So maybe nine pieces per, per garment. Oh, so they're and not then, manufactured in a... Yeah, she no, they're Canadian-made. They're manufactured okay. in Toronto. Okay. Uh, she works with um, freelancers, and it's all done in Canada. Because her prices are inexpensive. Well, yes, what she's trying to do, she's trying to keep it affordable. So I think, believe, $100 for a coat, which is actually reasonable. Actually, you know, I mean, yes, it is. But, you know, that said, with her, she wants to do mass market. 
and at mass market, you would that coat would have to retail for like thirty nine ninety nine. Right, and that's right. what Those Canada Pooch does, right? Canada Pooch is is more in the mass market. Yes. Okay, so they're, they're manufactured in a factory somewhere, and yes, yes, okay. I think I right. understand it. <laughs> right, but also too, like getting back, I believe Man from Street. He doesn't have a factory other than, I believe, for his handbags. I see. Right. But we'll get into uh, different things because I will use them as examples later on. Okay, great. Well, I think we have a better understanding of the types of fashion and how we don't really relate exactly to the human world, at least. And you've introduced a new concept to us. So (laughs) let's see if that takes place. Um, Now we have some listener questions. One of the questions that both designers and um, people who buy pet couture, they're always asking is, what about copyright laws? And of course, I know you're in Canada and the U.S. might have different laws. I mean, I actually, I had read recently that the U.S. Congress could not agree on establishing any type of copyright law for human fashion because what no one could agree what is a copy because you could change the colors, you could change the pattern, you could change the fabrics, and then it's not exactly a copy. So that was a couple of years ago when Congress was considering it. But where do we stand today, Bianca? All right. I'm not a lawyer nor an expert in that area. However, I did speak with a Toronto-based patent lawyer who briefly explained the areas. So you have three areas. It also applies for the U.S., U.K., and Canada. So you have trademark of goods or trademark, meaning source of original that would include shape, words, logos, and colors. Copyrights. That's a big one. So say on a dog coat. You can copyright the coverage, the surface, painting on cloth. And then the big one is design patent. And in in the U.S., I believe it's called industrial design. Now, that is a patent that's granted on the ornamental design of a functional item. I'll give an example like a Coca-Cola. You know the silhouette of of the shape? Right. Right. Or, okay, or take a lamp. You know, the biggest one is a lamp. You know, a lampshade. You can't copyright the lampshade. But what you can copyright as an industrial design is what is on the surface. Ah, I see. Okay, so that, if anyone wants to protect themselves, the possibility is industrial design. That is where maybe a lot of clothes, maybe doggy designers might have to look that way. But again, I would do, you know, you can go to University of Google, but I would talk to a patent lawyer to give you the lowdown because it's a very interesting area. And then you rigor if you have to understand, well, what about if I do go for a patent design? Well, that, do I need to come up with technical drawings? Can I just do a digital version? These are all the things you need to find out. And moreover, if you're in Florida, is it a federal? Like, how do I do a trademark or a patent? Is it a federal thing or is it a statewide thing? So these are the areas that you have to, you've got to do your homework. Right. Right? Yes. But as long as you have the three things. And now, and it takes a long time. I can say from my own experience for registering my own trademark for canine culture. Now, it's a federal trademark and it's registered. And that took two years. What is that the trademark for? For my name, canine culture. Oh, yes. I just had Paul Vogue finally was just approved. <laughs> yeah. So it takes a long time. Yeah, but being approved, that means no one, but you still have a ways to go. Once something yes. is, like in Canada, it takes two years. You can have something approved because it's what it's called pending. I can only speak from my own experience. It's called pending because there's no one has decided to write it. Well, you know what? I want that name too. Oh, no, that's my idea, right? So no one's stopping you. 
Because then from there, then there's the fight. Then you can go to Whirlpool, whatever, you know, you got to go to Geneva. There's all, you know, there's different places where you have to go and fight. <laughs> for Paw Vogue, I had to actually, well, I just finished the past the pending, but it's only for U.S. I, I didn't ask to go international. Well, international, because everything it costs. My trademark is for Canada, but I'm also, I have, I'm a federal, but also my, I'm incorporated federally. So I'm actually protected, okay. right? I, so you could do it different ways. So are human fashion designers, do they have copyright laws for their fashions? Well, yes, they have trademark laws. Trademark so, laws. I mean, so for example, yes, there are trademarks like Chanel, right? I mean, they're, right, it's, so oh, they right. have it for okay. their words and their symbols. Right. Right. So, and then, but there's also a fight going on in the design patent. That's between Lululemon and... I think Calvin Klein, and it has to do with a with a waistline, a particular waistline. So there's a big fight going on, and everyone is like, you know, I mean, everyone's watching this, saying who's winning, who's not winning, right? And the other one was with the um, there is that. Okay, so that was the yeah, it is the waistline. It was a particular way with something was sewn. And the next one too was. Uh, Christian Lubavet, a trademark of the red soul, right? So there was a big fight between uh, Yves Saint Laurent hmm. and, was it, Louboutin, right? So Christian Louboutin. So between his shoe and their shoe. And then he, uh, Christian, he lost. And then there's another one, too. So, you know, if you're going to go over, you know, a lot of companies or designers will go to court over patent issues. But, it must you know, be very expensive. It's very, you know, when you're litigating patents, boy, you know what, you better have some money. And... You need money. That's the whole issue. You need money. Right. Okay, where do you see, you know, let's get off this subject for a second. Where do you see the pet fashion industry going right now? It's changed a lot in the last few years. Well, it has changed, but it, I mean, it's evolved so much in the last 10 years, even 20 years. I mean, pet fashion has been around a long, long time. It's been around since the 1900s, but more, and, you know, when people, but it was very, actually before the 1900s, anyway, Fashion has been around for hundreds of years, but it's been in the last 10 years that it's jumped, that it, where now that you see trends, that people are mirroring whatever is all urban trends, whatever you see in fashion for humans, you see for pets, even chickens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, Ada Nevis, she was on um, Letterman, and she was doing rats, so... <laughs> I saw, yes, she did. Yes. A, she did really a beautiful, out, a, a matching wedding outfit for for two rats. I saw that. I thought uh, that was hilarious. She's funny. Oh, she is funny. Very funny. I know her well. One of the things that I'm surprised about is that pet fashion designers, many of them, especially the ones I know in Paw Vogue, they seem to use Facebook for their largest way for distribution and selling. And some of them have told me up to 90% of their sales are done on Facebook versus their website. And it seems to be increasing. And there's some, quite a few of them that only sell on Facebook. They even canceled their websites. Do you have an opinion on this? I mean, where's this going? Well, well, I think Facebook is a great, I think social media is. I think you need to have all three platforms. Personally, I, I think you do. I think you need to have your website. You need to have Facebook. You need to have Twitter. Maybe you want Reddit. Maybe you want to employ or use Instagram. You need to have everything at your disposal in order to promote and to drive sales. Yes, I agree. You need all these platforms. And I personally wouldn't, you know, I mean, Facebook is great and, and it does drive sales, but you need to support, you need other avenues as well. 
And also Facebook itself is having so many problems right now. And now they're now charging for, they asked for Porvogue. Well, I think Porvogue, we have about 1,400 fans on our Porvogue page. And now for me to send a, a posting to everyone, all 1,400, it cost me 10 to $15 every posting which is ridiculous <laughs> that is ridiculous but see what's happening though because now facebook is the its face is changing it's heading into more of a marketing arena so yes. to speak right whereas facebook was a social thing that was a place where you can connect with other designers talk about what's happening in the industry talking about thing now people are using it to generate sales right so marketing what are you are you going to become a marketer or are you going to become someone you want to talk about pet fashion and talk about relevant things so you know what i mean i i like like i personally think like for facebook like paul vogue i want to know what's happening so when i go to paul vogue's page yeah you know what i want to see what's happening not necessarily to to know i want information basically i want to know content right that is what i like what i'm seeking Right. And then what I do, I will go to Paul Vogue's website to look at outfits. Maybe I want to buy this. But then I use that. I use, I would use it as a jump start. Like I will use Facebook, but more importantly, I'm I myself. Maybe I'm old school, but I will go to Paul Vogue's website anytime more so than Facebook to look for sales. And like an example you just mentioned, like our Paul Vogue spring collection or fashion show. We just had a fashion show last week, and everything was emerald green because that is the color that is Pantone has selected as the spring color this year. Right, right. So we were already out there with all our emeralds, you know, and the designers have spent, you know, most of them six weeks developing a new, um, a new line so just with emeralds. So they had to go buy the fabrics, et cetera, et cetera. See, then for them, how I would, use, like as a designer, I, I would be very careful not, tr- you know, I mean, you got to tread that fine line. How do you trend that fine line? You don't want to say, oh, I'm for sale, but you want to say, you know what, I can't wait. I'm, I'm coming up with these amazing designs. I'm looking at this leaf, and I love the pattern of this leaf. And you can describe that, and you said, I can't wait. And you know what I mean? Like if you use synergy and you use some kind of soft sell to say, oh, I saw this beautiful leaf. I love the veins in this. I'm going to use it in my design. Can't wait. And then you leave it like that so that people can say they like. You know what I mean? Or you're piquing their interest. You're piquing, oh, what is she going to do? I can't wait. Yes, I hear that all the time from fans. They'll say, oh, I wonder what so-and-so designed or what her next line's going to be. Or, you know, they do create well, that, an excitement. That's exactly right? what you need to achieve. That's what you need to accomplish. It's absolutely... I was going to ask you about trade shows because there are so many of them and we have so many new designers and they're not sure which ones to attend. And I know you've been to many of them. Which ones would you recommend? There are a number. Okay, the one, there are, let's see, the big ones. Okay, there's only two titans in the pet industry. There's the Global Pet Expo, that's the correct name, that is presented by the APPA. That's the American Pet Association. That is a big one. That has more than 900 vendors. They also have different sections. They have what's called the uh, Rodeo Drive. So that means that there are all the particular pet uh, designers that are there that showcase. And they network. It's actually an unbelievable place to network and to meet international buyers, to meet buyers from stores to meet. It's a good place to network, period. The second one that's also very fun and also big is Super Zoo, and that is held in Las Vegas once a year. And the Global Pet Expo is also once a year, and that's in March in Orlando, Florida. The other one's in Vegas. And then another one, I think if you have a lot of New York base, I think a lot of what I'm, I'm hearing 
is that a lot of people are attending the New York uh, Design Show. So it's also a trade show where I guess they're showing the latest in products, like for homeware, dishes, you know, anything that you you can imagine for uh, for lifestyle. Hmm. I'm not even familiar with that. Okay. It must be at the Javits Center. I believe so. Right. Yes. That is a very good one. Another one. It's smaller now, and it's in Chicago. It's also I believe it's twice a year. That's the Backer Show. Yes, I've heard of that. Um, but the most popular ones are where everyone who wants to do business, who wants to do marketing, and also who wants to truly network business-wise, they will go to uh, Orlando or they go to Vegas. Okay, great. Thanks. Those are the two big ones. I've been going for over 10 years now. One of the questions we hear all the time is, maybe because the industry is still so new, there are a number of designers who are very expensive and they are well-known and yet the quality of their work is so-so. How do they maintain that? Is it just, I mean, in the real world, I don't think that can happen. Well, it all has to do with self-promotion. You know, say you have someone who's always in in the newspaper, there's also plenty of coverage, ink coverage. If that particular designer is garnering a lot of media attention, then that person has cachet. So it's like, oh, you know what? I want his designs because he's famous, right? right. That's, that's it. It's the, it's the star factor. Does that happen in the human fashion world? Oh, absolutely. That's oh, absolutely. It happens all the time. That's what um, like you only see haute couture in magazines. So that's where you see okay, oh, that's a Dior. Right. Now to also lend itself, you're going to see a celebrity on a red carpet. Like take for example, let's take uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Look what she was wearing. She looks stunning in her gown. And she was wearing a Dior. You know, that also right. gives cachet. But that design, too, is going to be knocked off. But hopefully the quality of that design was excellent. Oh, no, no. Yeah. The quality of that design, and like I said, if you're going to call yourself um, uh, a design, you, you have to have the greatest of goods. Right. So, you know, you're looking at the most exquisite fabrics imaginable. Right, and that's what I was... Right, you're going to be was... dealing with fabric houses in Europe. We have, as I said, a number of pet fashion designers who might have the fine fabrics, but when it comes to the quality of the craftsmanship, it's not there. Eventually, people are going to catch on that, you know what, I'm not happy with this. Right. I'm, you know, if I'm spending two, three, four, five, six hundred dollars $600 for an outfit and it's coming back, if you're going to spend that, you have high expectations and rightly so. And for me, I, if I was in that position, I would return the garment. Yes, <laughs> say that it's unacceptable. And when that happens, maybe that's going to get around. I guess, People as I said, because about the industry is still so small, it's not, you know, it takes a while for it to um, get around. No, I guess that's a, it will happen sooner or later. You only we have, have one or two chances. That's it, right? I mean, yeah. that's no, it. believe me, I know some it, that, done. I won't go into it with names, but there certainly are a few that I'm surprised are still around. But we have a great question from a woman who is from Montreal originally, and she now resides in the U.S. And her question is, she says, Canada has uh, your pet fashion show and has pet TV, which are, there is no equivalent in the U.S. Plus, there are a couple of well-known Canadian pet fashion designers who are very popular in the U.S., and they're not nearly as popular in Canada as pet fashion itself is not as popular in Canada. And she says, other than Woofstock, Canadian cities do not have pet fashion events nearly as much as the U.S. And she wants to know what's missing in Canada to make it popular, if you have an answer to That's a hard one, I know. Um, but Okay, I think I do. Well, that's partially true. For example, there is Woofstock Annual High Tea, where invited attendees bring their fur babies dressed in whatever theme and participate in a catwalk 
for best outfit and win a prize. And, you know, that happens once a year. And also what's special this year, uh, this year marks the 10th anniversary for Wolfstock. There's also in Toronto, there's an event, it's a charity event, a worthy cause called Pause for the Cause. That's a Toronto-based organization that raises monies for different animal welfare organizations, as well as raise funds for their Animal Pause for a Cause scholarship. It's called the Chloe Award, and I think I think it's $5,000, and they give it to a veterinarian student, right, like their top student. So now, there's only, I'm sad, you know, sadly, there are only a handful of pet fashionistas in Toronto. Torontonians are more pragmatic, you know, unlike the, in New York where there are plenty of go-to be-seen pet-centric events for you and your pooch. In Toronto itself, there's a different mindset. The only go-to place, I mean, really, is Wolfstock, and depending on pause for a cause, they'll, you know, depending on which year, they might incorporate designers and do the catwalk. They really promote a lot of human fashion. And then there's another place called Paws, where it's the only place of its kind in North America that does a lot of pet-centric events. And sometimes you'll get, on occasion, a designer will launch their product there. But is it a place where, you know, you can dress up and bring your dog in its finest? No, not really. I have sadly to say very, you know, maybe once a year. We don't have that. We just don't have that element. So is it the consumers that are... They're just not interested in pet fashion or? Well, not the way they're interested, but they're very pragmatic. They prefer their outfits. They prefer it to be functional and stylish. Now, I I know when I was uh, filming in Toronto and featuring people whose dogs have a pampered life, in Toronto alone, I had two. Two that I know. One that who, like whose dog, literally that travels the world on a, a private jet has had its, her uh, image done by Salvador Dali's nephew. Wow. And another one who loves pet fashion, who dresses their dog beautifully in attire. You know, it's just beautiful. But there's not that many people in Toronto that do. You know what I mean? And there's not a club for it. There's not a big community. Sadly, there's not a big community. So when I, like for me, when I'm, when I'm doing my stories, I, you know, I mean, thank God that I know so many people that, um, you know, I can feature. <laughs> <laughs> so are most, a lot of your stories are people in the U.S. then? I cover a lot of people in the U.S. I cover a lot of stories. Yeah, I do. I love, um, I have a number of people that uh, I've interviewed over the years that uh, we would shine a light on. Right. Yeah, a lot of the designers. I mean, I have a number of designers that I do in Canada. I mean, there's a few good ones. Some very interesting designers, and um, you know, yeah. I'm going to be asking you for some names of Canadian designers after the show. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yes. But before we leave, I would like to to tell us for those of us that have never been to Woodstock, tell us more about it because I know you were involved initially when it first started. Yeah, I was involved initially when it first started in 2003. Yeah, I helped co-launch that with Marlene Cook. She's the CEO of Wolfstock. And after the, it was initially launched at the Distillery District, and then it was moved in 2005 to the St. Lawrence Market neighborhood. And that, kudos to Marlene for moving it, because it has grown in leaps and bounds. It's an extraordinary event to, for everyone within any kind of community to come and bring your dog 
and it is such a safe environment that you can be yourself. So if you love dressing and your dog loves to be dressed, it is a comfort zone that everyone is safe. There's no sense of ridicule. It's a sense of community. These dogs, these butt-sniffing dogs, they love it. You can tell from these dogs they're so well-behaved that they understand that this is it's about them. It's a <laughs> celebration for dogs. And That's people great. Who love I hope to attend this year. For our I listeners, hope you do because it's the 10th anniversary is coming up. For our listeners, if you go on the webpage again, you will see at the bottom of the webpage, Wolfstock is June 8th and 9th this year. And if you click on the Wolfstock image, it'll take you to their website. Ladies and gentlemen and puppies and doggies, this is a place that you need to come. This is a place where you want to shop till you drop. There's also a VIP place where you can come and relax. It has contest segments. It has everything that you can imagine that your doggy will love. Great. This show, I think, was very educational for many of us. I want to thank you today for joining us and help sharing your knowledge of pet fashion. I'm sure there's a lot more questions, but we don't have any time for them. So thank you very much uh, for joining us. Cuba and Bob, thank you very much for having me. I so enjoyed this so much. And thank you. Thank you. We also would like to thank our listeners for listening to the show. We'd like to thank the producers of Paul Vogue with Cuba, America's Top Dog. And please join us for our next show when we will be back in New York discussing the very popular new book, Couture Dogs of New York, which, of course, Cuba's on many pages. Um, The author, Paul Nathan, will be with us and one of his influential models, Chico, with his mom, Stella. And before we go, Cuba wants to give out his bark out to Zoe Bear, who lives in the state of Washington. Hi, Zoe Bear. Thanks for joining us. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.